Well, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Molly Weinrich. I'm one of the pastors at Lutheran Church of Hope. And for the past several years, I've been uh, the kingdom expansion pastor, which means I'm responsible for the development and launch and support of our satellite congregations here at Hope. And so City Branch is uh, one of my favorite places to come. I get to come every few weeks and say hi. One of the things I love about City Branch is uh, that you're still this size. It's probably not going to be that way forever. Every time we start a satellite, everyone says, oh, it's so cozy when there are only 100. 150 people. Um, but when God gets a hold of something, it usually gets a little bit bigger. So, But right now, it's just fun to be here with a community and see a lot of the same faces and know that you're worshiping God. Well, here at City Branch, the last few weeks, you've been looking at a series called The Dream Giver. And Dream Giver is based on a book by Bruce Wilkinson about God's dreams for our lives and also on God's dreams for our lives and what scripture has to say about who God is and the fact that he has a purpose for each of us. And so you've been examining that here at City Branch. We've been looking at that at Hope West Des Moines and at Hope North Branch as well. And now that we're done with that series, we're launching into a few weeks of looking at vision and what does it have to do with God wanting us to have a purpose in life what does it mean for God to have a dream for us when it comes to the bigger picture of what it means to be the church what it means to be Lutheran Church of Hope and what it means to be God's church in the world and so John asked me to come today for a couple of different reasons first of all this month is Hope's 16th birthday so Hope is sweet 16 this year so let's praise God for that some of you have been around Lutheran Church of Hope for that whole 16 years. And for some of you, this might be your first weekend. And we think that's one of the cool things about Hope is once you come and you worship and you experience the community, you're part of the Hope family. But it's exciting to kind of look back and say that Hope, which started as a Mission Start congregation with about 12 people, including Pastor Mike, our senior pastor and his family, has now blossomed into a church of almost 12,000 people. And you're a part of that. And it's exciting. So John asked me to come and talk a little bit about an exciting document that has come out, uh, the 2020 Vision for Hope. They're available back on the Welcome Center. I'm not going to talk a ton about this, but we want to let you know that it's available. Every few years, maybe five to seven years, uh, Pastor Mike and uh, the leadership team at Hope develops a vision statement. And this is a really long one, about 20 pages of exciting vision of where Hope might go um, in the next 10 years or so. And a vision document isn't a template, it isn't a script, it isn't a set of orders from our senior pastor and the leadership team, a vision is just that. It's a vision that's brought forth by prayer and the excitement about what God is doing about hope and around hope. There are pages in here about satellites and some of the exciting things that might happen out of City Branch. And so read it and get excited about it. Um, pick up one back at, at the back table. The other reason John asked me to come is a little bit connected to that, to talk about why and how City Branch is part of God's purpose in the world, and therefore why you, as part of the City Branch community, are part of God's purpose in the world. So it's tying all together, dream giver, the vision for Lutheran Church of Hope, and God's whole purpose in the world. So let's start by defining some of those big things, because it sounds overwhelming. Oh, God's purpose in the world, what do we have to do with that? Well, what is God's purpose in the world? It seems like a really basic question, and some of you who've been Christians for a long time or around church communities for a while, you might say, oh, this is a big question. What does God want me to do with my... What's God's purpose in the world? It is a simple question, but so often in the church we get off game and we start 
to believe some of the lies that the Christian world even tells us about being church. We get wrapped up in doing church and forget about being the church. We start believing after we're working so hard, especially when you're in a smaller community like City Branch where everyone is engaged. And it takes a lot of work to be the church every Sunday in terms of the logistics and coming together in a fellowship. It's easy to get off game and start to think that what God is most concerned about is how we're doing church. What style of worship do we have? And did they sing the right songs this week? And did the pastor provide all the religious goods and services that a pastor is supposed to, per my specifications? And, and are we doing things right, especially around election time? Are we politically correct as a church? And we start to waver from what God tells us is his main purpose in the world. We forget that God's mission is simple. Ultimately, God is about restoring relationship with his children. And it's been the same since the fall in the Garden of Eden. When we fell away from God in sin, from the very beginning, God's purpose was to be in relationship and so when that fall, that separation came, his purpose became to restore that relationship, period, with every single person. John six forty. This is indeed the will of my father, Jesus says, that all who see the son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up again on the last day. From the Old Testament, Isaiah 46, I am God and there was no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my purpose shall stand and I will fulfill my intention. Intention, not intentions. I will fulfill my intention. I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have planned and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn of heart, you who are far from deliverance. I bring near my deliverance, my purpose. It is not far off, and my salvation will not tarry. I will put salvation in Zion, for Israel is my glory. Israel meaning God's people, meaning you and me, meaning us, every person in the world. And finally, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some think of slowness, but is patient with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. See, in all our worry about doing church in the right way, the bottom line is that God's purpose is for all to know him as Savior. Do you know there are about 7 billion people in the world? 7 billion people in the world. That means that God's purpose and mission is for every single one of those 7 billion people to know him as Lord and Savior, period. That is his purpose. And so staying in that big category, the next big question, okay, that's God's purpose. So the next question is, how are we doing with that? How are we doing as the Christian church with being God's hands and feet and letting people know about God's purpose? So what's the population of the world? About 7 billion. How many Christians are there in the world? Any idea? About 2 billion. You got it, Charlie. There are about 2 billion Christians in the world and, you know, all sorts of people have different definitions about what's a Christian. We're going to trust God that if people claim that they're a Christian, they're going to Christian. So that's about two billion, give or take. The vast majority of those Christians, and this is sort of a new trend in the last 10 years, the vast, vast majority of those Christians are in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. 
See, when most of us were growing up, we still had this idea in our head that Christians were in North America, right? The United States, the Midwest, mostly Lutheran, right? And in Canada, maybe. And then we had come from Europe, and they're just a little strange. We're definitely stronger than Europe, right? That's what we kind of heard. And then we send missionaries to save the rest of the world, right? That's kind of the Christian picture, at least that I grew up with as a Lutheran in northern Minnesota. And we prayed for our missionaries because they were going to go save the world for Jesus, You know, if you look at the statistics, that is way off. Because what is being called now the majority world, meaning where the majority of the population of the world is, Christianity is exploding. And sadly, it's plummeting in North America and in Europe, declining here. While the most quickly growing Christian populations are in many areas of the world, we're becoming a Christian very often means being disowned by your family, arrest, prison, torture, and even death. The fastest growing church in the world, South Korea, the second second fastest growing church in the world is in China, where it is not legal to be a Christian outside of the state-sanctioned Christian-esque church. China, the Middle East, North Korea, and areas of Africa are all experiencing immense Christian growth despite immense persecution. Why? Well, I think it's because Christians are not willing to stand by and watch people not know who Jesus Christ is. There are Christians who are taking radical risks just to tell people about the gospel. They're not so concerned about doing church in the right way. I think these places are growing and statistics show us that these places are growing because people are more concerned about being the church than doing church. Why is it growing so quickly? Because Christians are remembering God's purpose. It's less about doing church, more about being the church. And God is using his church, his people, to be a light of Jesus Christ in their lives. To give you a little bit more of a picture of this, I want to give you a couple of illustrations from the past few weeks. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, my husband Corey and I spent a couple of weeks in South Africa at an international conference. It was the Third World Congress on World Evangelization that was put on by the Luzon Movement. And just to give you a thumbnail sketch of that, the Luzon Movement is about a 40-year-old movement of evangelical Christian leaders. And those leaders were brought together in the 60s by Billy Graham. Most of you have heard of Billy Graham and Billy Graham Crusades and all that. Well, Billy Graham got together a bunch of Christian leaders across all denominations. It wasn't just one denomination. Brought together people who loved Jesus Christ, who had a heart for the world and wanted to say, how do we as leaders of Christian churches across the world come together and set some priorities for letting the world know about Jesus Christ? And about every 10 years, they've had another world congress on world evangelization. And I was honored to be uh, accepted as a delegate to the 2010 congress in Cape Town. And Corey came along and was part of the IT, the tech team for the week. What was extraordinary about this congress, and it was described as one of the most diverse, largest group of Christian leaders ever gathered in the history of the world. There were 5,000 Christians, Christian leaders from all over the world, from 198 countries. And so here we were in the Cape Town Convention Center with thousands of Christian leaders speaking hundreds of different languages, and everybody had one purpose. And that was to figure out, as leaders, how we could humbly and intelligently talk together and come up with some priorities and say, how can we propose to the world how we can reach 
people for Jesus Christ. I want to tell you a couple stories from that Congress, and then we'll go on from there. Each night at the Congress, after hours and hours of discussion and speakers and interaction with one another, we would focus on a different area of the world, learning about it and praying for it. And so one night we talked about Africa, Asia, Latin America, North America. Well, in the night that we were talking about Asia, part of our time was spent in prayer for the delegates from the country of China that were not allowed to come to the Congress. About 200 delegates had been invited from China, but they were stopped at the borders. Their passports were confiscated and many of them were put under house arrest by the Chinese government because they were threatened um, that something would happen at this Congress that would be um, a threat to the state was what they were told by the government. And so we spent a lot of time talking about China and praying for China and making sure that China and the Chinese government and leaders knew that they were welcome there. Well, then a young woman got up to speak from a very similar situation. Originally, she was from North Korea, which is considered a closed country. Christianity is not allowed there. Christian missionaries are not allowed in North Korea. This young woman got up to speak, and she was 17 years old. And uh, as a lot of North Korea young women are, she's a very tiny, petite um, little woman. And she stood up there in this podium in front of 5,000 Christian leaders, and she told her story eloquently as she read her speech in English. She said, I grew up in North Korea. My mother died when I was six or seven years old from cancer, and so my father raised me. He became a Christian in North Korea through a house church, and he became excited about Jesus Christ and knew that Jesus Christ was the hope of the world. And so he would evangelize the neighbors and tell people about who Jesus Christ is. Well, that got him arrested by the North Korean government, and he was put in a work camp, which have been described sort of like concentration camps. This isn't just, this isn't prison. This is a work camp. So her father was in prison for several years, and she was an orphan, but her father was returned. Miraculously, most people aren't. And so she and her father and their family fled to China, which, again, isn't, isn't, um, wasn't a piece of cake either, but it was a little bit better than the situation in North Korea. They fled to China. Her father was so passionate about the gospel that four years ago, he went back to North Korea to do more work for the gospel and tell people about Jesus Christ. And the 17-year-old girl hasn't heard from him since. It's assumed that he's been arrested and probably killed by the North Korean government. She was adopted then by a Chinese couple in China who sent her to high school in South Korea, and that's where she is now as a 17-year-old in high school in South Korea. And she was describing her story with such dignity And as she finished, the one time she looked up from her paper was to look at this group of 5,000 people and say, I'm here to tell you that when I finish high school, I'm praying that God will let me go to Bible school so then I can return to North Korea and tell people about Jesus. And all I want to ask you to to do today is to pray for me and pray for my country and some of you to please come and help me save my country. And of course, the room was silent And people then applauded and and cried and clapped for this young woman because she had such dignity and such bravery. A little bit later in the week, I was at a meeting, and it was a meeting regarding Alpha. How many of you have taken Alpha here at City Branch? A lot of you have taken Alpha. If you're not familiar with that, it's a 10-week course just about the basics of Christianity that we do all across Hope. Thousands of folks have taken Alpha. 
A lot of you don't know that Alpha is part of a worldwide movement. There are 45,000 Alpha courses going on around the world. Did you know that? It's not just a hope thing. 45,000 Alpha courses going on around the world. And so one of the gatherings at the Luzon movement a couple of weeks ago was some Alpha leaders got together, and I was in a room with about 25 or 30 people. I was sitting next to Nikki Gumbel, who's the founder of Alpha. It was pretty cool. We were eating our box lunch together. And he's from the UK, so he likes to say, say things like, brilliant, tremendous. And so as we ate our lunches, we went around the room and people started talking about Alpha. He had said, you know, give us a picture of what you do and one thing that went well this year with your Alpha course in your country. So we went around the room and one person said, well, I'm from Mexico and I run an Alpha program in, in, a, in a village for children and we've made Alpha work for children there. And then someone said, well, um, you know, I'm from South Korea and we have a huge Alpha course going on. And then someone else said, well, you know, we're in Angola and West Africa and we've been running Alpha for the first time in our community and it's going really well. And the good thing that's happened this year is that, you know, 50 more people have come to Alpha. And we kept going around the room, and finally one person stood up and said, well, here's my name, and I'm not disclosing my country, which many of the delegates were not able to disclose their country during the two weeks of the conference. And he said, the best thing about Alpha this year is only four people went to prison for holding Alpha in their homes. And, of course, there were a few chuckles because as we all were excited and I was like, well, we have lots of Alpha at our church. And then here's this person who just very nonchalantly said, that's the best thing about Alpha this year. It's God's protecting us and only four people have gone to prison for doing Alpha. So why am I telling you these stories? Why am I telling you about these sensational stories? Is it to make you feel guilty or totally disconnected from the really brave Christians in the world? Nope. I'm telling you these stories for the exact opposite reason. Simply to say that it's the very same purpose of God behind these stories that is behind City Branch. It's the very same God, the very same Holy Spirit, empowering that North Korean girl that's empowering you here at City Branch. Why am I telling you this? Because the Church of Jesus Christ that is behind those persecuted alpha leaders is the exact same church that's behind you. Where you fit into Lutheran Church of Hope isn't nearly as important as where you fit into the body of Christ in the world. And that's what inspires us through the Holy Spirit, is what is God calling you to do right here and right now? See, church is not a building. Most of you know that, but it's good to be reminded in fact, I wish we would quit saying, let's go to church, but it's so in our language. We don't go to church, we are the church. The church isn't a building, it isn't an institution, it isn't a structure of leaders according to scripture. The church is the people of God following the call of God, whether that's in Korea or Brazil or 42nd Street or West Des Moines or in a shelter downtown. If you follow Jesus, you are the church. And that's what connects those sensational stories from the world right to you here at City Branch. Lutheran Church of Hope is simply part of that global church, and City Branch is simply part of Lutheran Church of Hope, which is part of the global church. So what should be inspiring to you here at City Branch isn't that you're part of Lutheran Church of Hope. 
It should be that you're part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's so easy when you're a body of 100 or 150 people to think, well, we, we come in and we put up the chairs and we do great worship and, and we, and we kind of do the church and we, have, and we have some classes and some groups and lots of people are doing stuff. And as soon as we get more people, then we'll, then we'll be a church. It's easy to do that and it's easy to remember or easy to forget that you're part of this global vision. 1 Corinthians 12, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we, will all, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the same one spirit to drink. It's easy to read that text. Many of you have heard that scripture before about one body, many parts. We read it and think about how each one of us individually is part of the body, and that's important. But remember, City Branch is part of the body, too. So here's some history on the 16th birthday of Hope and the two and a half birthday of City Branch. Two and a half years ago, just last month, September 25th, 2007, we had the first interest meeting for what we were calling Hope Des Moines, this crazy idea that we were going to start a satellite a little bit closer to the city of Des Moines. If you weren't around at that time, and some of you in this room were at those meetings, we sat there with maps and post-it notes and prayer walks and discernment and talking in groups and study groups and statistics and all these racks of papers talking about how many people in the Des Moines area didn't know Jesus And we knew that God was calling us as Lutheran Church of Hope to go a little bit closer to the city. The vision was to create this sort of organic and diverse and casual and welcoming and spirited worship venue closer to the city of Des Moines so that that Hope people already worshiping at Hope who maybe lived or worked a little bit closer to the city could then worship a little closer to the city and reach out to those and welcome and invite those who maybe lived or worked closer to the city. We knew from the very beginning that City Branch would be much more of a go-and-tell congregation than a come-and-see congregation. And you've been doing an amazing job of that because people need an invitation. After all, there are a hundred churches, a hundred churches within a five-mile radius of City Branch. If people were going to go and see, they probably went and saw already. And that doesn't mean to knock those churches. It means that we are a body of Christ. And the gifts and the body of Christ part that those other churches and other congregations are can reach people for the body of Christ in a way that City Branch never can. And City Branch can meet people and be a body of Christ in a way that other congregations never can. And so we knew that City Branch needed to be a go-and-tell rather than come and see. When we started City Branch, there were between 194,000 and 214,000 people in the Polk County, Des Moines metro area that didn't have a church home. About 200,000 people with no church home. That was and is the purpose of City Branch, to be a community and ultimately be a home for some of those people. One of the quotations about a, uh, from a speaker in, in uh, South Africa that was talking about city ministry said this, and I believe it about City Branch. The scripture says that we are made in the image of God, right? You and I are made in the image of God. People are made in the image of God. Well, if that is true, then there's more image of God per square inch in a city than in anywhere else on earth. 
there's a unique call for you as City Branch here. And to demonstrate that, I want to invite up three City Branch members who've been around for quite some time um, who are going to talk a little bit about what they've seen. So why don't all three of you come up, Steph and Mike and Mark. And they're going to talk a little bit about, um, Dave, I'm sorry. They're going to come up and talk a little bit about what makes City Branch unique. Not unique amongst Lutheran Church of Hope, but unique in the sense that they're part of the body of Christ in the world. So Dave Stiltz, Mike Wieskamp, and Steph Schmaltz are going to talk a little bit about what it means to be City Branch to them. Let's give them a round of applause. Am I on, Matt? Um, thank you. My, I'm Dave Stiltz, and uh, I've kind of been convinced I'm going first because I'm the oldest, or they're going to clean up after me, whichever you want to look at. Um, I was at the original meeting that Molly did on City Branch, and... Uh, uh, we got involved with City Branch through an alpha group that we were doing. And five or three of the couples were coming here um, that were in that group. Uh, two of us are still here. Two of the couples are still here and some aren't. But that's been how City Branch has kind of played out. Um, if you look around you right now, um, I have to say to John and Molly, we need more chairs. That's what God's doing in this church. It's just, it's amazing. I'm part of leadership, and uh, I will guarantee you that leadership pays attention to what God wants to have happen in this church, and it's happening. Um, I just look around, and I think it's incredible. Uh, I, I see new faces. I see people that are uh, fund managers for large investment firm. I see doctors in here. I see missionaries in here. I see people that don't have a home they can call their own. And this is a community that God has all brought together, and it's just incredible. We're going to follow his vision. We're going to follow his path. And I just want you all to come along with us. Thanks, Thanks Dave. <clears throat> My name is Mike Wieskamp. I'm, I'm mission team lead here. And I, I'm not really going to speak about the outreach and a lot of the mission work we do here. But John reminds me we're always doing something. Many of you who have been here a while know that. We are active to the point where we do things at church far bigger than who we are members-wise. We're very integrated, and like Molly said, we're, we're, we're telling all the time. We're not inviting people so much to seek. Where, where I'm going with my perspective is what makes City Branch unique. I've, I grew up Catholic in the 60s and have attended a lot of churches, been a part of a lot of churches, been in leadership in a lot of churches. And what I finally have found in the last two years we've been at City Branch is personally um, – I really understand what it is to be a sense of community and family. We talked in this morning's sermon about what it was to be an Acts church uh, and, and what God intended a community of believers to be. And at City Branch, I, I really began to understand and discover what that means. Um, I've always gone to church on Sunday and had a great group of people always there and just a, a great crowd and friends. And, and, but never, but that, that's kind of where it ended. And at City Branch, I discovered something else entirely different, and that is the small groups I've been in have been in men's groups that have just been off the charts, been in several couples groups, still in a couples group and men's group today, and really begin to understand what family and community is with that. And if you haven't done that, I mean, you're probably all here today thinking, this is pretty cool, this is a great group here on Sunday. You haven't seen anything until you become a member of a small group. And I urge you to do that or get connected or get in to help uh, go to some of our mission works, but get connected with people outside of the hour and 15 minutes we're here. 
and you'll understand what I'm talking about. We truly have a very strong community of believers and family here. And that's, that's what I've learned with City Branch over the last two years. It's just been awesome. Until you get there and go in and you don't know. But that's what I've learned by coming here. Thank you. Um, well, like you said, my name is Steph Schmaltz, and I was at the initial meeting a few years ago as well. And I think um, one of the things that I just love about being here is that right from the get-go, our success mark has never been with how many people come in here on Sunday, but it's actually been of how we can take the church from here. And so um, to be in, a, in an environment and in a church where that is an emphasis, I think just, just speaks volumes to say, hey, we're going to come here on Sunday and we're going to gather and we're going to you know, be um, just motivated and be able to be touched by the Holy Spirit and what it means to go out. But our main thing is to go out and to be in relationship with people. And that that is actually our measure of success, is how deep we can go with people and how much we can share about who Jesus is with people. To have that as be our success mark, instead of how many people are in programs or here on Sunday, um, it's just exciting to get to be part of something like that. Thanks, everybody. It's just fun to celebrate every once in a while. You know, if you're a visitor here today, you're like, wow, these people really love to talk about themselves. But, you know, on a birthday of a congregation, it's just fun to say you are just an amazing church. You're just an amazing church. Whether you were around Hope for 10 years before you started with City Branch or whether you're brand new to City Branch, you're fantastic and you're doing something amazing. Did you know that City Branch has a higher per capita volunteer rate, leadership rate, and small group participation rate than the entire Lutheran Church of Hope combined? Praise God for that. I think that shows that you're being the church in a way that influences and teaches the wider body. And again, that's not to knock Lutheran Church of Hope because I see some West Des Moineners here. It doesn't mean you're bad. It means that we can learn from one another. We can be part of the body. And that City Branch, just like Steph said, you can preach the rest of the sermon stuff, it's about persevering in relationships to let people know that they're important to God. And here are two quick ways that you do that here at Lutheran Church of Hope City Branch really well. Acts 2.42, our scripture for today, all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. This is part of what you do well at City Branch, especially eat. You guys have more potlucks here. You're the only uh, hope branch that still is able to do potlucks. That's great. And you do communion, which we'll do today, share the Lord's Supper. You have a fantastic preacher, devoted small group leaders and teachers and prayer warriors. All the believers devoted themselves, and that devotion is really important. One of the things that um, is sometimes a piece that we pray about here at City Branch, we see a lot of people like every other week, which is great because there are other churches, other places, and maybe you're visiting other parts of Lutheran Church of Hope. But I really commend you to pray about your devotion to City Branch, not because City Branch is the coolest, but because we need you. We need you to be part of the body together. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, coming together on a regular basis shows that relationship is important and shows that this is where God is using us for this season of our lives. So we gather together. The second aspect that's really important and what makes you the church, the people of God, is when we take who we are to the outside world and we scatter. So we gather and then we scatter. Did you know that 98% of Christians 
are not actively living out their faith in 95% of their lives. What does that mean? Well, it means that most Christians go to worship at least once a week, and many Christians, if not most, also are involved in one other thing, maybe a small group or a volunteer opportunity. And many of you are doing that. Some of you spend hours in ministry together, official kind of ministry through the church. But even then, the majority of Christians, 98% of Christians, spend the vast majority of their waking lives at work or home or school or with other people, not in a churchy setting. And the sad part is most of those Christians have no idea that that is part of the work of God, that God wants to use that 95% of your life to do his work. Do we build relationships best and show people the love of God by doing a lot of churchy things and showing up on Sunday? Not best. We do the best work of being the church in the places that we already live. And that's where we come full circle to the Dream Giver series that we just came up with. If one of the takeaways for you from the Dream Giver series was that what you do with your life or your work is ministry to God, then good. Because we only need so many pastors in the world, for crying out loud. The rest of the world, (laughs) the rest of the world runs on you. The people who are out there living and working and being the community of the world. Do you know that if every single person in Des Moines were saved, if every single person knew Jesus Christ and we didn't need churches anymore, the only people that would be out of work would be pastors? We still need, think about it, we still need grocery stores, right? We still need dentists, we still need librarians, we still need people who um, pick up the trash during the week. You're the people of God doing the work of God. And so one of the questions I want to leave you with today is where is your front line? It's not church, because you're only here a couple hours a week. Maybe you're with your small group a couple hours a week. Where is your front line? Where is God put you? Where has God put you in your life? Where you spend the vast majority of your time? Because that matters to God. If we went around the room right now and we had everybody list where they spent the majority of the time, Only two of us would probably say church. Probably, maybe, maybe two or three. Maybe there's some other churchy worker type people in here. John and I could say church. And sometimes that's really sad for me. It's too bad that people in ministry spend most of their time at church because you're the ones out doing ministry. If we went around the room, we would see the front lines of City Branch at work and at home and at school, hanging out with people. A lot of you spend a lot of time at the library. You spend time with the people in the community. That's the front line. God doesn't need people to go. God doesn't need people to go. He needs them to be where they are. And that's the mission of God. Be where you are. Be the church where you are. And the idea with City Branch is that many of you are in the city already. So be there. Two scriptures to end with. Genesis 2, verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in the in Eden, in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the Garden of Eden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. That's Genesis, the very very first book in the Bible. Go to the very end, Revelation. Very end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. And I saw the holy city... The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 10, and in the spirit, he carried me away to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city, 
coming down out of heaven from God. It has the glory of God and a radiance like a very rare jewel. What John is describing here is the new heaven and the new earth coming out of the clouds, a new city for God. It has a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels on the east, three gates and on the north, three gates and on the south, three gates and on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city has 12 foundations and on them are the 12 names of the 12 apostles. I saw no temple in the city, no church. For its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city has no need of a sun or a moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is the city's lights, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of all the earth will bring glory into it. The city's gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into the city the glory and the honor of the nations. Creation started in a garden. And it ended in a city. So go be God's people in the city. Amen.